You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> All right, welcome to the After Laugh. Did you know that was oh, that's the a great that's a great title. I like that. Get it? That's after a good title. The, oh gosh, I keep I keep saying get it. I feel like an asshole. I so, actually um, am starting one at the Improv called Waiting for Your Spot. And I'm going to be doing it while they're waiting. So yours is after ah. their spot. And I'm going to be doing it while they're waiting, waiting to go on stage. Waiting for their spot. Yeah. And there'll be some comics who will, who will probably want to talk to you. Some comics who are like, can you fucking leave me alone? I got to well, back out. Yeah, no, and they're going to have no choice. I'm Thomas Dale. I'm going to rip them off there and be like, come upstairs <laughs> with me right now for 15 minutes and we're going to talk. And then you can go back and wait for your spot. <laughs> now, um, so we, we've, I, I've known you for about, I don't know, I feel like just a few it's, months. Um, we've, no, we've known each other, like we've talked now for a few months. But yeah, we've, yeah, yeah. I've known you, you know, yeah. since I moved out here, I'd say like When did you move out ago. here? Like five years ago. Now, when you moved out right away, were you working at the Laugh Factory? No. No, no. I just started working at the Laugh Factory. Because you're there um, all the time now. Yeah. Um, I'd say like this year probably. I used to always get up on everyone's produced shows. Yeah. And um, then I just thought, you know, it's how it is. You just get in the rotation and... Eventually, you know, you're there. Yeah. So I don't know much about like sort of how you came about, and I I, I feel that uh, y- you've always struck me as something very interesting. When the first time I brought you on stage, mm-hmm. you told me to tell the audience not to yeah. applaud, yes. and I said why, and you're like because mm-hmm. I haven't made it yet, and, right, and yeah. not until I make it. Exactly. And that struck me as as mm-hmm. sort of very, very cool. Mm-hmm. And very weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I kind of want to know how. how th- <laughs> I'm cool and weird. <laughs> how did that come about? Why? Why did that become so? Mm-hmm. Is that something you feel is important to you, or is it kind of a comic gag? Or no, how is it's, it? Um, it? What started happening for me is like, I, I would get on stage and I started to be so honest on stage and yeah. just it became more than comedy for me. It became like the art for the art for me became just being as honest as I could be. Yeah. I would test myself, right? So I would get on stage and I would be vulnerable. So the first minute of the applause, like they would applaud and then it was like this very like showy, give it up for, you know, and it was like, and it felt fake from them. It felt fake. It felt fake. It felt like. They're they're going to do for anybody. They're not applauding. They don't know. Like they don't know me. I'm not famous. They don't know why they're applauding. They're applauding because they're told to applaud. Mm -hmm. So then there were times like when I, you know, when I go to New York, when I have a fan base who people know me, then they applaud because they know why they're applauding. Yeah. Or there are, you know, there are fans now sprinkled in, you know. But for the grand scheme of it, they're applauding because they're told to. So to me, it felt very cruise shippy. It felt very like, yeah, my mom. It's like I don't, I don't need your um, approval. I don't need your like. You can do this. Yeah. I know I can do this. I've been doing it for twelve years, and it, it's all I'm good at at this point. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah. it's like. I don't find it. It's not a cocky thing where I'm like, I know I'm good at what I'm doing, so I don't need your like your support. Um, it's both ways. It's let me show you what I do, uh-huh. then applaud. Yeah. Um, and it's also I just want to get into it. I don't want to have to shake that off. That like because I'm not like a. Yeah, I get that. You know, I want to talk about real shit. What was that thing you said? I'm not like a. You did. I'm not like, like a booth. dancing monkey. You know, I'm not like <laughs> up here like yeah. show me what you got. Yeah. How about no? <laughs> How about I'm going to show you what I got because this is what I love the most. 
So I'm going to show you. That brings up a really interesting yeah. question because I've noticed that you also do you do ro- you do a lot of the road or uh, yeah some I was road? doing a lot of the road because we yeah. you headlined Reno Laugh Factory yes. right and um, I headlined Vegas Laugh Factory Vegas you mm-hmm. haven't done Reno yet I did Reno when it was Catch a Rising Star okay yeah. so um and I've talked to a number of people about this show mm-hmm. like I I definitely whether it's a good thing or a bad thing probably a bad thing most comics don't yeah. really respect it but I definitely <laughs> cater my sets not a hundred percent but to to an audience because i kind of feel that my primary obligation is to make these these people laugh particularly yeah. when i go to reno it's like farmers and oh, truckers yeah. and I used they to don't want to yeah. hear my liberal point of view so i right. sacrifice it I, right. I definitely i still do it i try to like kind of sort of trojan horse it into mm-hmm. my comedy right um but i also feel like the need to express myself, mm-hmm. my political point of view or whatever emotional point of view is less important to me than making these ranchers laugh. Right, right, right. So you're someone who has a very, very entrenched mm-hmm. point of view, a very yeah. strong point of view. Yeah. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel an obligation to the audience that sort of supersedes what you want to say, or is that never no. the case? Um, uh, no, and only because I'm not political or um, – well, you are political because you're a gay man, well, and just, that's. But here's the thing: I'm just being me. Yeah. So you know, I'm not saying I'm just. I go on stage and I show them who I am, right? And yeah. I give them my ideas and my my. I give them my point of view. I don't tell them they have to like me or they have to be into what I who I am, but through who I am, they seem to like me. Yeah. So um, I tend. I've learned to make my point by being really likable and yeah. funny. Yeah. And through it, they're like, "Holy shit." I, you know, I believe everything you're saying because I like you. Got it. So I think that maybe if comics can come across more as just being funny and likable, you can get a lot of your points through without hitting them with yes, points. without preaching right, or proselytizing. Exactly, right. exactly. I'm up there just living. So. Yeah. Well, let's let's get back to um, sort of how it, how it all started for me. You know, where are you from originally? New York. New York uh, City? Uh, I was born in Queens and then raised in Long Island. Oh, so you're like a real yes, New like Yorker. Yes, a real New Yorker. Although, like, really, you're from Long Island. Well, yeah. Because I'm from Alexandria, yeah. Virginia, but when I wanted to be cool, I'd say I'm from D.C. Right. Well, you I know? mean, here's the thing. I think Long Island's one of the coolest spots. Andy yeah, Kaufman's from Long Where Island. Where in Long Island? Seinfeld's from Long Island. Um, yeah. Valley Stream, which is the border of, course, of Queens yeah. and Long Island. I know it very well. And it's the first yeah, town of on course. Long Island. Yeah, okay. So you grew up public schools there, yeah, kind of. School. Your family was like was blue collar. King. My dad's an ex-cop. You were homecoming king. I was homecoming king. Oh my god! My were you a, a were detective? You, were you out in no, high in school? No, in high school I had. Gr- I mean, listen, I ha- I'm you know I'm able to control. I call it controlling my gay. I'm able to just be a regular dude. Yeah. But when I'm free and on stage, I'm sure. faggy. You know, like yeah. So. People made fun of me as a kid, like until I. Again, I guess I, I learned. People made fun of you, but you were were you like, out for I yourself? I had girlfriends or? all the time, so the guys, the older guys, didn't like that I had hot girls. Yeah. So they would call me a fag, or sure. when I would walk down the hallway, they'd be like fag, and like uh, or write on my locker fag, like so. I, I like tried to commit suicide in sixth grade. Like, oh by wow! Overdosing. So it was this early on that this was happening? Oh yeah. Well, see, I learned when I was younger. I was a little more flamboyant because I didn't know. My my girlfriend in sixth grade had to teach me. She used to be like, "All right, Thomas, we have to teach you how to walk like a guy," and we would be in her oh kitchen and we would do these walking lessons. And she'd be like, "How do you say hi in the hallways?" And I was like, "Hey," and she's like, "No," <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "You just nod." So my yeah. girlfriend taught me. So through the years, I kind of conditioned myself to be this like. Bro now, guy. what decade was this? Was nineties? Nineties, right? Yeah. So I feel yeah, nineties was kind of like the last decade exactly. where it, was it wasn't like, really yeah. accepted. But at the end of the day, too, though, my best friend who was, I mean, f- 
flamboyant and fishnets. He was he was homecoming king also. He had three brothers that were jocks. Yeah. So he was very popular. So it was accepted, but even nowadays, kids are still being called fags. It still happens. Sure. And I think it happened because I didn't hide in the corner. I always had a girlfriend. So yeah. the guys that were jealous, you you know, every kid they go for what your weakness is. Yeah. So I don't you know, it was like it wasn't like in the eighties where they would beat you up. Sure. It was more just like verbal abuse. And I was still popular though. So yeah. it's like fag, but we're voting for you for homecoming king. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so was, at that point were you did you know that you were gay? Or oh yeah. It? I knew that I was gay when I was in when I was eight years old. Eight years old. Uh-huh. Really? Do you remember the moment? Oh I yes. I had a crush on this boy, David, on my soccer team. We were having – he was so cute. We were having a slumber party, and I wanted to go lay next to him, and I, like, laid next to him, and he was, like, weirded out by it and, like, moved. And then I think, like, from then point on, I was like, oh, shit, like, this isn't really the thing. Yeah. People, you know, this isn't the cool thing. And your dad was a Queens My dad was a Brooklyn. Brooklyn Brooklyn detective. Detective, yep. So not a guy that you come out to in the sitcom. Nope. No, definitely not, yeah. (laughs) He actually negotiated with me and said I was bi when I came. Yeah, he's like, you're bi. (laughs) Wait, tell me that story. Yeah, he um, he came out – when I – came out i was going to a theater school in manhattan what school uh american musical and dramatic academy okay amda, amda yeah amda, of course. right so i was living on 72nd and broadway the you know hotel uh, and this is what age 17 this 18? is 18 i graduated 18. high school i went yeah. right there so i was 18 and um uh, i was getting into drugs and partying and someone called my parents and like kind of gave them the heads up i think i think it was this girl that i was sleeping in her bed she was just a friend she uh told my mom so anyway my mom called me and we talked, whatever. And then my dad picked me up. I was I was like nuts. I wanted to leave the school, and he was like, you know, you're, this is a difficult life that you're choosing. That's what yeah. he said to me. And I was like, I'm not choosing this. This is who I am. I was always this way. He's like, your uncle Mikey was by. He was like throwing people under the bus <laughs> because he had good hair, you know. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. by. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Uncle Mikey. He's dead. <laughs> uncle Mikey died in a boating accident. So I was like, I don't. I'm gay. I'm not by. He's like, you're by. You're by. He's like, you're by. I've seen you with girls. He and you know what's funny is I look back at it now. I think he was actually cooler than I realized. He was saying, "Stick, try, say bye first. Come out as yeah. bye. Yeah. Don't." He said, and I think he you know was saying because when you come out as gay, you're gay. Now you're just gay. You're yeah. the gay guy, and that's it. Yeah. But and he was saying just be bye. Be, come out as bye because there's no turning back from gay. Interesting. And I, yeah, I think about that, and I'm like, you know, as an adult brain now, I'm like, oh shit. That's what he was – he was trying to say in so little words, you're bi. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, now that I look at it, you know, in this business, I see a lot of my straight counterparts who are, I think are gay or bi but are hiding it. They get ca- – female casting directors give them shit because they want to fuck them. Yeah. Female producers all flirt with the – you know, these gir- – you know, a lot of girls are out here saying – you know, the men producers are using their thing, sexual power, to, but females do it too, and I've seen it. Absolutely. I've seen it because mm-hmm. I don't get anything because they're not trying to fuck me or yeah. they're not, I'm not flirting with them. Yeah. It's not based on just talent, and I've seen it with my own eyes. Again, anyone watching or listening, not all female cast directors are producers, but I've seen a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I've seen it at parties. Yeah. I've seen female bookers flirting with the male comics. Can you take me to some of these parties? <laughs> yeah, sure. You're a cute guy. <laughs> you definitely have been flirted with. But, you know, so therefore they're not. So my dad, if I was just a bi dude, I probably would be further because I would be able to use, I would be able to like flirt with girls and, and do all that bullshit. But yeah. I am too genuine. I'm yeah. too honest. I'm too real. And I wouldn't be able to pretend. Yeah. I can't pretend. I can't forge relationships. 
I can't pretend to like somebody. If I like you, it's because I like you. Yeah. If I'm fucking with you and I'm your friend, it's because I like you. I don't kiss ass to a booker because they're bookers. For like, sure. If I'm chilling with a booker, I dig your your company. Yeah, for sure. That's it. And so you, you came out your dad. Was your dad's was your relationship with your dad after that? Was it was it cool? Did it take He's a while? So great. My dad's a He's really so cool great. guy. And he loves it. He supports you. He loves you. his son. Um, I've, my father has never. My father has his own issues with masculinity, you know. So sure. I think that any gay shit, you know, it's like he he wasn't. My dad's like a macho dude, so yeah. I don't think he was expecting to have a gay son. I don't think he knows what to do with a gay person. Yeah. So he's been trying, and he's great. He's you know learning along the way. Yeah. And uh, was so stand up comedy. When did that start coming about in your life? Uh, that was twelve years ago. I started in New York, um, and before stand up, I was dating. I I'd again overdosed. Yeah. What on were you? Pills. You were you doing? So twelve years ago, I, I was I just know. like, um, you know. A job like a nine to five type waitering. of situation. I was waiting. Tables. You're waitering. Waiting but you knew tables. you were you were wanting to be involved in entertainment. I stopped. I was like, um, I I stopped after 19. I was like, I just uh, you know be a waiter. I started just smoking weed and doing drugs. Just kind of gave up dudes. and just kind of hung out. Yeah, I call it coming of gay. I went to the park. <laughs> I went to the clubs. Coming of gay. Yeah, coming of gay. I was just learning how to just be a young gay man. And at that, you know, all you had at that time. In Manhattan at this point? Manhattan. Did you move to Manhattan? Uh, no, nope, I was staying in Long Island. You were like John Travolta. You cross a bridge. Exactly, you come yes. in. Yes, John Travolta and it up. Just yeah. crossing the bridge. Actually, we just had the, we had the tunnel. We had the tunnel. The people. tunnel, yeah. We have the Long Island Expressway into the tunnel. Yeah. And I did that. I did all the ecstasy and ketamine and all that shit. All the K. What was this? Limelight, Webster um, Hall. It was um, uh, Roxy. It was uh, Sound Factory. Uh-huh. It was Limelight. Nineties yeah. um, in New York. Twilo. Was, of course. Yeah. All that. Yes. And we had the older friends. Uh, Victor Calderon, my older friend, yeah. is, he's a big DJ. She was dating him. My sister's friend. So we knew all these the DJs. So we were yeah. in there. My friends were all drug dealers. So I did that until I was like twenty-two. Yeah, and then um, did it ever get really bad? Was it just was it just fun? Were <laughs> yes. you able? To <laughs> I mean, yeah, yes, it got bad. I, I mean, was it bad <laughs> to the point where you were like, I can't, you know, I. I well, I went I, to rehab. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> At twenty two, you went to rehab. I, I went to rehab. It was right before comedy, so comedy was started at twenty five. Yes, it was like 24, 23, wow, I feel like so many comics, yeah. their their foray yeah. into comedy was rehab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby Lee, rehab, yeah. same thing. It was yes. kind of maybe because they were in rehab talking to people and then they were funny. Oh, yeah. I was the president of the rehab the second week. <laughs> I was nominated the first week, but I didn't get it. Second week, I was president. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad on the phone to my, 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 my sister tells me that he goes, this fucking kid's amazing. He's the fucking president <laughs> of the rehab. He could do so much if he put his mind to it. Uh, <laughs> if he was only bi, not yeah, gay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so rehab, how long since it was rehab? Two weeks. They wanted me to go for the three weeks, but I was like, you're not giving me your upsell. <laughs> Fuck you. And then I was back on drugs a month later. Oh, you were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I was dating, and then I overdosed. And I do the story on This Is Not Happening. It comes out uh, yeah. this winter. Um, so then after I overdosed and almost tried to kill myself, I then found comedy. I was like, let me do com- I, you know, I did comedy. Are classes. you not going to tell the story of overdose killing yourself because you don't want to like – Right, there's a like, whole great piece of work on, on that'll be on, on Comedy on Central. On co- oh, oh, this yeah, is not yeah, happening. Yeah, happen, okay, yeah. yeah. So they, it's like they get not priority. worth me telling the whole story. All right, yeah. fucking shit. Yeah, you can watch it. What can you say in the podcast? And, well, you, you can say something in the podcast that you can't say on Comedy Central because you can say whatever the fuck you want. Well, no, I'm there, and this is not happening. I said the whole thing. The, oh, wow. The pencil in my neck, the overdosing. The, oh, my God. It's All a right. whole thing. Well, yeah. well, I'm glad that you got that on a, on a bigger, bigger platform. You can't do it now. I always want to get the... I've had people go and be like, oh, you want to see here I started in comedy? I've done this in like 
14 podcasts. I'm like, all right, motherfucker, whatever. Right. This is mine. Yeah, I have yeah, a yard. No, totally. I have weed. I have food. I have Snuggies. I have s'mores. Yeah, Do you want some? Yeah, anyway, um, all right. So, <laughs> so you started. Uh, so, so after this happened, yeah. how many times have you been in rehab? Um, I went. Did I go twice? No, I went once, and then I was like, fuck that. It's not for me. Not for you. I tried the um. The, the circle, the fucking NA. I've tried that. A the program. Times. The program. Can't do it. Can't do it. My therapist says I have a rebel mentality. Uh-huh. That's what it's called in the, I can tech, see that. in the books. Yeah. I can't follow groups. Um, I can't stand on lines. Like if there's a line, I have to figure out a way to either get in the front or we're leaving. I can't do yeah. it. Um, even when I'm driving, I have to be like, if you're dry, I'll go in front of you. Yeah. I'm working on it, you yeah. know. Um, but that's the thing. It's a medical condition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to call someone an asshole. <laughs> I'm the same But way. I'm such a sweetheart. It's weird. You're I'm such a, a nice I'm guy. A dichotomy. Uh, so what What were the moments that were big turning points for your comedy? Because I feel like you've been doing it for 12 years, 12 which years, is a respectable time. And I should be. No, but, but you're, at, you're at the point right now. Your name is coming yes. out a lot. You're at the Laugh Factory right. a lot. Yeah, so definitely. I feel like things have, have mm-hmm. sort of – what was a turning point for you in terms of comedy? Um, I'd say – there were so many different things that happened. Let's talk about the most recent one. Um, Comedy Dynamics, and I'll say their name now. I used to try to just be nice about it and not say their name, but fuck it. They offered, uh, my agent got me a deal. Uh-huh. They were going to give $100,000 to do a special. What? We were doing, this was last year, uh, maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, we were doing the special. I was sitting with the director. I was sitting with the artwork. I was. I had the, I had the set that was being designed. Um... Uh, they had me tweeting. They had my famous friends tweeting about it to get the audience. I had family that was coming to Brooklyn. The whole thing. Three days before. No. They cancel it. They tell me. My agent calls me. They tell me, we got to cancel it. We'll reschedule you. Oh, and I God. was like, I was literally flying back to New York. And I'm told that we're rescheduling it. Because what happened was a comic that was taping on my day had canceled. He didn't want to do it anymore. And they then got Bob Saget to come tape. Bob Saget wanted the whole day for taping, so they just bumped me. Now, that would have been fine. It was traumatizing to begin with, but then they led me on for a year. Oh, we're going to get him a date. We're going to maybe shoot him in Seattle. We're going to maybe do this. Um, And then finally it was, we're only doing offers for famous people. So then, And if we have a spot left, we'll do Thomas. So that they haven't even paid for, they haven't even reimbursed me for my. Flight. I was about to say you got no money for nothing because I had a special that was, but I signed a contract and they had to pay me five grand mm-hmm. for me not to do it. Yeah, they didn't nothing. They haven't reimbursed me for my plane ticket. I asked for a reimbursement from the plane ticket. They asked for a receipt. I said, you know what, I'm done dealing with you for like I'm good. Oh my god, I'm good. I don't want the. That's receipt. really. I, I mean, I hate it was to say terrible. It. That's it was, bad karma. That's it was shitty bad. business. So bad. So. My point is that after I was shook, I was numb. Yeah, that's I was, terrible. It was so humbling. It was so like, I mean, people. And was my it was, we were taping on my birthday. Yeah. So now oh, I fly God. back to New York, sit with everyone, people who don't know the business. They don't know that these kind of things happen. But now I'm sitting there, and it's like I don't like people feeling bad for me. Yeah. I don't. I hate that. It was a lot of that. It was a lot of oh, what happened? They. I'm going around town practicing, working the hour out. I'm doing. Of course. It, I mean, it was like. It was, it Did was Bob so Saget know that he bumped you? I don't think he knew. Yeah. Nor I don't know if he would even care. He's yeah. he's, he's been like, in this, he's been yeah. punched, I'm sure, a thousand times in this business too. Yeah. The production company should have dealt with that professionally. Comedy dynamics should have dealt with that. Is in there a person individually way. that you kind of oh, feel 100%. like responsible? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not the type. I the other, I could go there. Slip, yeah. I'm of not course. That of course. Yeah. Um, so the first time I got back on stage after that happened, 
I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. You can't hurt me anymore. Yeah. I was so broken from that. Sure. I just I all your hopes and dreams of the business were like were just, just fuck, yeah. They told go fuck off. It was so like, wow. That I got on stage, dude, and I fucking annihilated because I didn't care anymore. Yeah. All the fear was gone. Yeah. I was like, you can't hurt me. I just was shitted on so hard publicly. Yeah. And I had to come back out from that and like show my face and like it's just it's humiliating. Yeah, of course. You're not worth. You have to. You have to state you're not big enough to be cared about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like after you're told and telling everyone that you're doing this thing. Wow. I went back to New York to to run it for my whole town of like fans and friends and I mean, it was disgusting. Yeah. So from that point on, a year and a half ago. My comedy is just – I've gotten so much realer and so much more honest. So, you f- so in a way, it's kind it of a blessing me. because such a blessing. the special that you would put out would is never not authentically that, to yes, you are. 100%. Yeah. It, at the end of the day, after, now that I'm not numb anymore, yeah. it was a blessing in disguise because I look back at that material and it was B stuff probably. It wasn't my best. That I, what I'm doing now, yeah. what I'm doing now in my mind is like, great. I mean, I'll probably look back at this one day and be yeah, like, of course, not, we always do that. Either, <laughs> you know? yeah, we always do that. Better than it's it's honest at yeah, least at the very yeah. least, and different and cool. Okay, so h- how about your your beginnings in stand up? How did you first get on stage? What was um, I did a stand up comedy class. My sister actually paid for it. Was she, this in New York or in was New it? York? Yeah. What it, class? It was the Comedy Institute. Oh, I've never heard of Clayton it. Clayton Fletcher. Oh, I know Clayton. I yeah, love Clayton. So shout great. out to Clayton Fletcher, my angel of life of comedy. He was um, he was like the teacher of it. Oh no, he was the host of the show. I forgot who the teacher was. The, and we did the five minutes. The the, the comedy and this was at what? Cl- it was at a club. Oh, Caroline's. Yes, of course. I was so nervous, dude. I had my three sisters and their boyfriends. Yeah. My parents were not allowed to come. Yeah. I was so nervous. I had five minutes. I had a Britney Spears joke in there. I had the five <laughs> minutes written down, double like on set, skipping a line. You know, like yeah, a, yeah. blank lines. Like everything <laughs> was. I said every word. I. I I memorized it like a monologue. Yeah. And I got, I don't even, rem- I just got on the stage and just said it. <laughs> I don't even remember. Yeah. I did Hit good. Play. I got off stage and I said to Clayton, I go, oh my God, when do I get to do that again? And he goes, oh, I have a bringer show at Broadway Comedy Club. Come do that. And I did that bringer show. I used to book my friends for bringers. I used to say, all right, I need five. I used to do four bringer shows in a night. Whoa. I used to be like, all right, I need, because I would have 30 friends be like, we want to see you. You're a homecoming king. You could do it. Yeah, literally. Yeah, the king is calling his people. <laughs> I didn't need all 30 at one club, so I was like, five go here, five go to New York Comedy Club, seven come to Caroline's, so I would b- book them. I would do it like that, and I did bring wow. the shows for like two, three years. Two, three years. And then I started barking at um, the Village Lantern. Me uh-huh. and friends did shows downtown, and then we would bark and do our own shows, and then... um I got into the comedy cellar, and then I, you know, I was a so the comedy cellar is probably getting there is probably your first big. That was sort like my first big, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, that's huge!" I was like, How did that come about? Um, cringe humor. The uh-huh. people who own the stand, they yeah. were repping me, Andrew Schultz, Dan- Dante Nero, and Danny Labelle. Uh-huh. They were coming out from just being a website to now being managers. Yeah. So they were repping us. And they did a showcase because they had called the comedy seller on the fact that they didn't pass any new talent. Oh, wow. It was only Godfrey and all the guys, yeah. David Tell. It was never anyone knew. So com- Cringe Humor called them out on it. Mm. We did a showcase. It was me. Nikki Glazer was on the showcase. Yeah, wow. Michelle Buteau, um I'm sure I said that wrong. Andrew Schultz, Danny, Dante, and um, maybe two other people. And out of all of them, I got passed. Oh, wow. They were like, Thomas Dale, we want Thomas. I remember I, I didn't even get paid the first couple of spots. They paid me in food. 
Nobody mm-hmm. else has ever had gotten paid in food again. Everyone's always gotten regular pay. Yeah. And then it was just, and then everyone. And how long ago was this? Um, eight years ago. Okay, yeah. So I was like four or five. I was like a five-year comic. It was That's incredible. Great. But it That's was like, huge. oh my god! It was like news. Yeah, it was a course. talk around yeah, Greenwich course. Village. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so that was great. But then it's funny because then I wound up being the least booked there. All my friends started getting. You know how it is. Yeah, of it's course. It's just ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. This business. Just because you pass doesn't mean you're like a, at the club all the time. No. Of course. No. <laughs> and then you could be a regular all the time, and all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, then changes. Yeah, like, oh, much. I like this. It's just the whole thing's a mind fuck. Yes. This whole business is a mind fuck. Yeah. So um, it's made me tougher. It's made me stronger. At times, it's made me colder. You know, sure. Like it's like eh, I don't want to hear your problems. You know, like I'm dealing. You know, like <laughs> it's real shit what we're going through. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's humbled me. Yeah. And it's really broken me down, which probably I needed. I we think, all need it, right? Because yeah, at the end, it. it's all ego, all and we should get we should shatter ego. Yeah. So um, I want to talk to you about about bombing because something yeah. I'm always curious about people now. You know, you always you're like a force of nature on stage. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I mean, your your presence your presence here. You're you're kind of relaxed. Mm-hmm. You still have a very rich voice, and yeah. you can kind of command. You know, um, but you get on stage is like some of your shot where out I get of cannon. to live. I get to be alive on stage. Yeah, and it's kind of th- those. A lot of times, comics who have that energy, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard for them to bomb because people are just reacting to like, mm-hmm. whoa, we're here. Or uh, when we do bomb, it's really bad. Yeah. Well, I have to say the story. I wasn't there for it, but I remember there was this. I, I heard this story at the yeah. Long Beach Laugh Factory, <laughs> which is a club where a lot of comics go to bomb right. for the first time sometimes. <laughs> and I don't know if you're bombing, but there was a heckler no, there. Yeah, there was just a woman. And f- this is one of my favorite exchanges with you because <laughs> everyone was like, Thomas Dale is on his And look, look, you're like you're like a dude. You're yeah, not like a little yeah, guy. Yeah, you got right, you got yeah, mass yeah. too. You could probably mm-hmm. like knock some people somebody. out. Yeah. But at the same time, being me being a caveman, right, from exactly. I go, oh yes. well, he's he's gay. He's right. not going to start a fight with someone. Right. This guy was ha- this big. I guess he was Mexican or big something. Was Mexican dude, yeah. Heckling you, and yeah. you're like, hey, we can talk about this outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which to me yeah. is like the universal symbol for like, <laughs> fuck let's fucking up. throw down. <laughs> and when I heard that, I was like, what? That guy is a lunatic. Yeah, one hundred percent. What was um, the yeah. story there? I've told I've said that before to someone. I did that at the Laugh Factory Vegas too. Um, I've said like I'll do the thing with the heckler, and then I'm like, dude, if you, I'll let them know I'm not afraid of you. Yeah, I'm not just being ballsy because I'm on stage with a microphone. If you do want to finish this, we can go outside later and talk about it. Now, uh, do yeah. you mean talk about yeah, it? Yeah, obviously, I mean talk about it. I'm not saying I'm because personally, <laughs> I think fist fighting is just is like a breakdown in communication. Of it's course, like great. It's like it's devolved. Stu- yeah, of it's course. Not, I'm not not fighting you because I'm scared. Because anybody, once you hit them, their adrenaline goes, and you're gonna get through it. Yeah. So it's not that I'm scared. I just think it's stupid. Yeah. But I am not scared of you. So if you do want to hit me first, then we will go. I will continue. I'll I'll probably hurt you badly. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But you realize <laughs> that asking someone to talk after the show sounds like an invitation to a fight. Right. And that's not at all. I would never do that because I wouldn't do that to the comedy club. Of course. Of I wouldn't course. throw threats around. So maybe we should figure out a different thing to say. I was clear so to him. stupid meatheads. If you want to finish this conversation, we can talk <laughs> outside later. I go, well, I'll talk to you outside. I go, I'm not doing There's a whole audience yeah. that, was in, that paid money. They loved you. Yeah, of course. And they loved and they were having fun. 
So you're ruining it for everybody. I was kind of, I'm protective. I'm Italian. Yeah, so yeah. I'm protective over the audience. I'm like, yes, dude, of course. you're ruining it for everybody. If you want to finish this conversation after the show, meet me outside and we'll finish it. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. exactly what I said. And that sounds to me like, <laughs> like guess, I'm going to kick your fucking boys, ass. <laughs> right away, like we're going to fight. And he was like, what? But I what? Kinda, and, he got, and I was like, of course he did. I'm like, what are you and doing? And then a brawl broke out then at the Long Beach Laugh Factory. The, another audience member goes to the guy, yo, shut the fuck up. Like they were like, stop it. Yeah. And then he's like, what? And then he <laughs> starts punching that guy. And he's punching him. And then another guy jumped on top of him. And they all throw. And I was like. And you're on stage. You're like, I'm, stage, I'm not I'm done st- my closer yet, motherfuckers. <laughs> I was like, I'm going, bro, what are you doing? I'm like, get, I, I go, call the cops. I'm like on stage. I'm like narrating it. I'm like, call the cops. Nat Reif was like, said to the manager, he goes, does that mean the show's over? And she's like, no, bitch. You need to get back up there and finish it. And I finished the set. And then after he left, they got, it got arrested. I kept doing bits and I got him going and I got yeah. the crowd back and everybody. Oh wow! Laughing. So your set continued after continued the guy, after, after the left. brawl, and after yep. he got arrested. Yep. You started up again. I continued up and you killed. Killed and then the rest of the show, everybody had fun. <laughs> That's an awesome story. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any moments? Um, because you do have a big, a big personality, big presence. Have you had any moments on stage that were even hairier than that, or moments that were like tough or um, with hecklers or anything else? Well, there was in New York a one guy. I was, you know, just doing my little crowd work thing with the straight boy. I like to pretend like we're boyfriends. And of like course, the whole, like crazy love thing. Yeah, and everyone loves it. Uh, There's one guy. He didn't speak English, so uh-huh. I thought he was being rude. I was like, "Are you being rude? Are you a homophobe right now? Like, why are you not? And what are you looking at me like that for?" Yeah. So he got up and got on stage and got in my face, and I was like, Whoa. "Dude, get off the stage! Don't yeah. come on the stage!" And he's like, "And I was like, bro, get the fuck off the stage!" And then I like flipped out, and I was like, a "New comic!" And I was like, "Get!" It. And then people were like getting up and leaving. I was like, "Go ahead, everybody leave!" I'm like, and I told him, "Like, I'll call my uncle. They'll find you in the river." <laughs> I'm like, it was so ridiculous. So that was that. Um, so this yeah. is okay. So, so the guy didn't understand English, but he understood enough that he wanted to fight you on yeah, stage because I, yeah, I guess I don't know why he wanted to. Yeah, he got on stage and got in my face, like to my nose, like that thing. Oh my God. And I was like, get out and of my just, face. And you just don't back down. I don't back down. I yeah. can't. Yeah. It's not in me to back down. Yeah. I'm not into it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not into backing down. So are hecklers the thing that you feel very comfortable with? Is Do you ever, do you ever feel, and I've talked to people mm-hmm. about this because I, fe- I feel very guilty whenever I shit on hecklers mm-hmm. because yeah. I always kind of feel like I have a lot of power with the microphone right. and some of these people are just sad and yeah, shit's no, going I on. Yeah, no, I never, I don't make fun of them. Yeah. Um, I try to like, I, I actually just get serious. I'm like, dude, you got to be quiet. Let's just figure, you know, let's just keep going. Yeah. Just sh- be quiet. But comics love it when comics destroy hecklers. Yeah. So comics must bad. love that when you do it. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just am there to be like, just be quiet. Like, yeah. Just shut up. Yeah. And let me go on about my business. You yeah. Know? Like, I don't, I don't, like, I'll try to love them in, bring them in with humor. Yeah. But then if they're not getting it and they're still going, I'm like, right, you're annoying me now. And like the bitch comes out in me. I get bitchy <laughs> about it. Yeah. I get bitchy. And I'm like, we're done. Yeah. We're done. I, I go zip it like a teacher. Like. And then they'll keep going, and they're like, all right. And then if it gets to the point, I'll be like, can you get rid of this guy? I'm done. Yeah. You know? Have you had any, Have you ever had any sets where uh, you just – want? Where you look back and go, that was, a, that was a painful bomb, so painful it made me want to quit the biz? Um, Maybe not quit the biz, but just a bomb where you're like – it made you just question what you were doing. Hmm. I'm sure. I mean, the first time I ever bombed was at Caroline's, and it was like a year in. 
and it was so I was doing the story that So I, up until then you'd been doing great never bombed, and you're yeah. like, "Oh my god, I'm a, I'm a I'm magical. I'm a genius. I'll I just never was bomb." Like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I was always stressed out before every set I would yeah. have so much nerves. Um, but because of the nerves, it was like I made sure I did good. I didn't go up there. I think people bomb because they're just kind of half-assing it. Sure. I always gave it my all, so I was, you know, I'm, I, I was good. Um, but I tried this new this, the story I do on this is not happening. I actually wrote some of that back then mm-hmm. and I tried to do it and I was not funny enough to talk about suicide and I was just eating a dick nobody was it was like during the writer's strike on Broadway yeah uh, people were you know no the writer's strike on TV but people were Broadway was popping because of it yeah so I saw th- this one guy goes I'm going through and it was dead silence I'm talking about stabbing myself in the neck and he's like off and I'm like what he goes off, off. he just tells me <laughs> off I go off and I go, fuck you. I go, off all over your fucking chest. I'll go off. I'm like, you. And then I started talking about him, whatever. And then and then I go, and then I started going, why don't you guys go to Broadway, huh? Why don't you go across to the theater? You don't like this fuck? And I'm just going on. And it just worse and worse and worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got, I wanted to go through the back door. I was like, I got to get out of here. Do you feel like the whole audience was turning against you at this point? Oh, it was awful. I just felt like I never wanted to. I was like, that was so painful. It was my first. And Colin Kane was backstage. Uh-huh. And I said to him, dude, that was terrible. He goes, you bombed. I was like, yeah, it was fucking, oh, my God. I, I don't I got to leave. I can't see these people. And he's like, that's the first time you bombed? I'm like, yeah. He goes, how long have you been doing comedy? I go, a year. He goes, fuck you. <laughs> he goes, a year, and that's the first time you bombed? He's like, welcome to comedy. Yeah, he's welcome like, yeah. to the real. And I was like, yeah. oh, shit. I and think, then yeah. Yeah, I realized when you take chances and yeah. you open up and you're not just sticking to the script, that's when you, you, know, you might – because I had to figure out how to be funny. Yeah, I think that's a big self-regulating sort of mechanism in comedy is that there are a lot of funny people. There are a lot of people who are, who are amazing comics who you don't know of. And, and I think the self-regulating mechanism is the bomb. Because yeah. there are some people who bomb are like, no. And then they never do it I again. I don't want to do yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, some yeah. people just come back like, for, my, my experience with bombing is mm-hmm. like, A, it was like, oh, it's not that bad. It's not right, like the movie right. Fame when I was a kid. We're like, right. oh, yeah. it's the most <laughs> yeah, painful. Right, the like watching right, it right. as a movie, it's much more painful than actually, actually being the person experiencing it. You're like, oh, I'm just bombing right. for people who I wouldn't even have coffee with at exactly. a Starbucks in New York. Who gives a it's shit? It's bad when there's people that you know, though, in the <laughs> audience. Like my sister's one time in the front, and I was doing New York Comedy co- uh, Festival like one of the competitions and I, I used to have a mohawk and a leather jacket oh and my was, god yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and i was just and i was very like um edgy in a way that was just racist <laughs> i'd just yes. be like and you're fucking in my sisters are like, <laughs> like, just like it was just ridiculous like yeah yeah do you feel like your voice has changed a lot since you've been doing because i mean obviously that's one one kind of mm-hmm. character um how is how has it changed? Like, what's the difference between your material then and now? Well, I think that my I think then it was just my material with a voice. Now it's just me with material. Okay. Like when I, I when I'm on stage, I tell people they're like, "Oh, that's a cool character you're doing," and I'm like, "No, that's who I really am." Yeah. But when I'm off stage, I'm kind of just you know being a little more normal. Yeah. I go if I was that the person I am on stage is who I am inside. That's who I am. Yeah. I am the boy. So I'm the, the character is who you are right now. This is me. Yes. This is me talking to Bill like a good boy. Yeah. You got to be got to be subdued. Yeah, yeah, We're exactly. in a yard. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah more. Yes. Yeah, so I'm just being like with my you know like if I if my parents are here. I'm I'm presentable. I used to call. I used to have a joke where I'm like, I'm a portable gay. You could take me places. A portable gay. Yeah, that's great. Because some gays, you go to Santa Monica hey, Boulevard, a, you can't bring them to the fucking. A, a good you name for a special out. portable gay. Portable gay. Yeah, I'm not doing a special ever again. 
Okay. After that experience, you're not doing a special. Nope. Why don't you just self-produce a, a special? Because it's all bullshit. Everyone's of got course a it's bullshit, but now. like, it's of, like, of course on. it is. But like, just self-produce it. We'll put see on your what own. happens. We'll see you what know. happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, but I, you, I, it kind of killed your. I don't want to do the hour thing anymore. Everyone's got everyone's got a fucking hour special. Get, I'm yeah. done with that. It's so it's so done. Give me, I would like to figure out some kind of new artistic thing to do to present myself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I understand that. I mean, that's kind of like what. Drew Michael did with his thing, and right? Yeah. Neil Brennan with three mics. Exactly. And I, I think it's really interesting. Something when different. Just, yeah, it's something different. And, and something organic. Right now, I'm just out there working on the craft. You know, after that happened to me with the special thing, it's like it took all the fun out of creating something. Yeah. And now I'm just on stage creating a thing. Yeah. An art. So when it when it comes to pass that you do a special, it it'll, it'll, passing, it'll be inevitable. It'll be inevitable. It'll be cool. It'll be exciting. I won't have to worry about it. Yeah. I won't have to feel like I'm trying to put something together. It'll yeah. just be ready to go. And if it doesn't, then I'm having fun doing what I'm doing. So let me ask you this. In terms of moving forward, first of all, number one thing uh-huh. I get from listening to is you. I hope you've written a a movie oh, or a pilot or a sitcom or a TV yes, show or we, something uh, just, because your story because, sounds yeah. really interesting. I have a single can that I just went out pitching to production companies, and I'm talking about like I was at Amy Poehler's. I was at Ron wow. Howard's. Mm-hmm. I was at Monkey Paw. I was at all these people, and every I killed it in every single room. Two-hour meetings in all these rooms. Yeah. One of the emails was, and like you said, one of the emails, literally, he's a force of nature. He's incredible. Thank you for bringing him to us. Everyone passed. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. When I tell you, these people were, I mean, two, I mean, so it's like, you know, and now we have another one, you know, but the, it, it's just, this business is just a. And this was a, a, a single cam recently. pilot that this you wrote? single cam Or was it a pitch? Yeah, it was. It was a treatment. Pitch was written. But treatment, you, you wrote the whole characters, pilot. The, no, no, no script. Okay. We brought it to production company. Got it. Because then they want to get involved with a showrunner. Of course. And that kind of thing. So yeah. it's like I'm taught to not do a script unless you're going to do a movie. Then you have a script. Sure. But for TV shows, it's just have the treatment, have the idea, go out and sell it. Yeah. So now, right now, I'm actually in the process of revamping the whole team. It's like time for a new. I've had the same agent for eight years. He's with a new company. We're all kind of just moving. On. I've had four managers. We're done with that. So I, we're revamping. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I'm shaking it that's up. That's pretty pimp that you're like, we're, we're revamping the yeah. team. Yeah. That's like a pimp move. Yeah. That's so it. where do you I'm see yourself? So in five years, give yourself a, a five-year plan. I don't know. know a five-year plan. I don't five-year plan. is so stupid. But, but how do you, what's the vision you that you see for yourself in five or ten years where I you're mean, like, I'm happy in this space? Honestly, dude, the vision is one of the, a household name where everybody adores what I do. Yeah. And I'm just creating great TV shows and being in movies and, and helping friends and, and yeah. the money I'm making, I'm helping the world. That's where I see myself. Yeah. But I've seen myself in so many positions that never came to be. And yeah. I meditate and I'm positive and I'm all that do you, stuff. Do you, feel your, do you think that you are, do you see yourself as a voice for the LGBT? No, I see community? myself as a voice for people. Um, and being honest with themselves, I see myself as a voice for straight men yeah. because I think straight men have a lot of opening that they they Absolutely. a lot of freeing they need, and I see myself as a voice for them. I see myself as a voice for women because yeah. I, I, I they have a lot of chains that are restricting themselves. So I'm trying to uh, empower them through my own voice. Yes, I see myself as a voice for gay people as well, for the obvious reasons. I see myself as a voice for children to be the strongest unique individuals that they can be and be proud of who they are and you can be cool doing it mm-hmm. so i see myself as a voice for a lot of people yeah and i think maybe that's why it's been a longer road for me because you can't just put me on in one category sure so maybe industry or people don't really know what to do 
so we'll figure it out and again and if it doesn't happen well then i died knowing that i tried everything i could i had fun doing it yeah i always have fun yeah but what does that mean to you it doesn't happen what is it not happening if it does if i wind up being never known by anyone and just a, a talent that only some experienced then yeah that's what it is then that's okay it has to be yeah it has right? to be I mean, what, else do I, what else are you gonna do yeah i've already tried to kill myself that didn't work <laughs> <laughs> You already almost had a special. That didn't work. <laughs> that yeah. didn't work, right. Yeah. I've been out there pitching amazing TV shows. Be- that hadn't worked. Well, because there's there's a lot of discussion about wh- what it means to land in this business right. or what it means to, quote, unquote, make it in this business. Right. So many people that you talk to, they're like, I haven't made it. I'm like, really, Bobby Lee? You haven't made it? What the fuck right. are you talking and about? that's the thing, too. I've noticed that. Like, I, I have the, we have those friends in those levels, and they're still spinning the plate. Yeah. So that's why I say I don't know what's going to happen. I do know I'm going to have fun along the way. And when I don't have fun, I change things. Yeah. If I'm not having fun, I stop. I do something different. Yeah. Because I, I don't, could die tomorrow, like everyone says. So yeah. I'm just going to have fun while I'm here. Yeah. And if something happens along the way, great. If it doesn't, I can't stress myself out about it because then I'll be sad. Yeah. And being sad is no way to live life. Absolutely. You so, know? so a couple last things. Yeah. One is uh, what would you say to young people? Not gay or straight, it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, comics who are coming on the scene right now that uh, that are just starting. What what advice would you Ugh. give them? I mean, the some I lately have been saying don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's advice every every actor so, every exactly. comic. So like, let me not. You can do anything advice, else, right? The advice I would say is, and I've this is the same advice I've given to anyone new. If you're not willing to give your whole life up for it, don't do it. Yeah. Don't waste our time. Don't jam up the stage. Don't jam up the hallways. Or the 405, yeah. Or the 405, yeah. Well, they're going to jam that up regardless. If you're not willing to – if you're willing to give your whole life up to this, yeah. give your everything, be about comedy and art, then go for it. I'll, I'll be there cheering you on. But if you're not willing to do that, just please don't do it. Yeah, That's for my sure. Advice. That's great. Yeah. Now, is there anything else you want to say that you want to kind of like get out there for this um, – no. Well, let's talk about what you want. What do you? What come about plugging? Me. Let's, let's. That's what let's I want to <laughs> say. Come at me. Give and me you know. If you come to show yeah. and he says let's talk outside, he literally means let's have, let's a, conversation let's have a conversation in the hallway. This out. Yeah, so, like, yeah. do you have anything that you want to uh, plug coming up or any other um, things? That you, this is not happening. That's a great. That's. Do you know what date of. that comes out? Um, they gave me the ep- It's episode five of the new episode five. Ep- this is not happening. Which is a great show. If you haven't seen this, it's not happening. Cool show. Yeah, the stories are really cool. Yeah. So check that out. Episode five, 2019 of This Not Happening. I don't know. I guess it airs starts January, February. Um, Thomas Dale five on Instagram. I left Facebook. Who's, who's that's fucking trash. Thomas Dale that took your goddamn Instagram? No, no, no. Five is my number. Why? Look. Uh, oh wow. Five is just my whole life. Even when I went to rehab, I shaved the five in the back of my head. Uh, five has just been a very prominent number. I've seen it everywhere. People I'm connected to are connected to the number five. Special events that have happened. Five was very around. So I've come to notice that whenever I see five, predominantly, like in a strange It's a sign for you. It's a sign that things are about to happen. Change, good or bad, things are about to get crazy. Okay, yeah. And my address has a five in it, too. What's the address? But it can't I can't be like say seven five one seven. I can't three. say because okay. you know if it's, it's supposed to be fifty five or five. Then we can <laughs> fuck. But otherwise, <laughs> if it's not, then you're just trying to make it somehow. But if it's well, in Thomas, if I were gay, hey, listen, man. <laughs> yes, I'd be your man. I'd be your fucking guy. You're I'd a be great looking guy, around. great yeah. dimples. You're a good guy, good spirit. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Hey, man, thank you so much Thanks, for coming buddy. and doing this podcast. Yeah. I, I'm glad we got to hang out, man. Thank you, bud. 
It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>